So last week we we started talking about something that several of you weren't here for. Um, we were talking about the history and background of Islam. And I, I made sure that everyone understood that Islam is a religion and Muslims are people. Right? Do you remember that? Some of you were here. Some of you weren't here. Did you know that there's a podcast, by the way? Yeah. I, re- I listened to it. How weird is that? You're on I know. I was listening to myself. <laughs> That's kind of weird, right? Um, so last week I also told you that I have colder G's. Allergies, maybe a cold, cold and allergies together. Turns out it's a sinus infection, found out today. So I was at Walgreens and I bought a package of tissues. And brand on them is Nice. Have you heard of Nice brand tissues? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I usually buy Kleenex brand tissues and I call them Kleenex because I'm from the Midwest. And um, I picked up Nice and I said to them, you better be. And I opened up the package and in, the, in my car out there to come inside, and this was the one that I pulled out, and I just thought it was, um, I wanted to put it back, and then I decided I shouldn't. I should actually bring it in and show you these are my Kleenex, actually my tissues. See, there I did it. Nice brand tissues. They actually are one of my sponsors, so um, I, I'm kidding. Um, something that I want to, something I want you to understand before we get into anything else um, about any of this stuff um, is an analogy, okay? Um, analogies are good to help us understand things that are kind of bigger than our brains. And I talked to, what's that? I'm confusing already? They're confusing. Analogies are? This one's not. Um, have you heard, you, someone can't see the forest for the trees? Have you heard anyone say that before? Okay, it's a terrible analogy, but here's what it means. Um, that you can't um, see the big picture because you're all bogged down in the details. You're, only, you're seeing the trees, but you can't see the whole forest, which is the big picture of the whole thing. I want to tell you an opposite one. Okay, so I want you to think of Islam, the religion, as a forest. Okay, and this forest is, have you seen, uh, what's that, a uh, new-ish Snow White movie, and The Huntsman, or the other one, either one of them, either one of them, yeah, Mirror, Mirror, okay, so there's a forest, right, in that, in all of those movies, there's this big forest, and it's dark and scary, and it moves, it like grabs people, Um, anyway, it's kind of creepy, think of Islam as this big, dark forest that you don't want to go into, because you've heard all kinds of bad things about it, okay, there's people that Muslims are people that kill other people for their religion, or they believe in a false god, or it's a demonic religion, or all these other things. It's this big forest with all bad reputation. But that forest is made up of trees, okay? And the trees are people who are just called Muslims, okay? Some of them are choosing to be a part of the forest, They're choosing to be part of the big, bad darkness of the forest. And some Muslims are just born into it. And some Muslims don't know how not to be a part of the forest, so they're just a part of the forest. Does that make sense? So Islam is a big forest, and Muslims are trees in that forest. And what I'm going to try and help you do this week, I was hoping last week and for the next two weeks, is to be able to see the trees. We understand that the forest is big and dark, and we can't do anything about the forest, but maybe we can help a tree get transplanted into a different forest. Okay? Does that make sense? 
All right. Okay. Now here we go. Does anyone believe something to be true in this room? Anything? Yeah. You believe the paranormal is true. Excellent. Anything else? Yes. Unicorns. You believe in unicorns. You guys believe in excellent things. Yeah. Jesus Christ died for your sins. Up here? What? Unicorns are... Oh, yeah, yeah, narwhals, yeah. My son knows how to say narwhal, and he's two and a half. Yeah. Santa, you believe in Santa. So something that you believe, a belief is something that you hold to be true, but you can't necessarily prove it to be true, (laughs) actually. And for all of your examples, except for maybe yours, um, you just told me a bunch of things that you believe to be true that you actually can't prove. What are rituals? Um, Do you participate in any rituals within, let's go not just in the nebulous, I believe, whatever, um, but rituals that you participate in to demonstrate your Christian faith. Yeah. Ooh. What? Easter is a ritual. It happens every year, and we remember that Jesus died and raised again, actually, on Easter. Yeah. Christmas is also a ritual. It happens every year. Yeah. Communion is a ritual. Yeah. Praise and worship is a ritual. Yeah. Yeah, either of you. I don't care. Prayer is a ritual, yeah. All Saints Day is a ritual, yes. Okay, so we in the church are usually opposed to calling any of these things rituals because we're not ritualistic. (laughs) Um, But you'll just hear your parents say that. That's okay. Um, They are rituals because they're things that we do regularly that are habits that we do to show what we say we believe, okay? There's beliefs and there's rituals. Muslims have beliefs and rituals that all of them believe and all of them try to do. Emphasis on try. Same for us, actually. Okay, so there are, f- there are five beliefs that Muslims all hold, and there are five practices that Muslims all try to do. Okay? The beliefs are called orthodoxy. Has anyone heard that word before? Awesome. Ortho- Greek orthodox, you probably have heard. Orthodoxy means right belief. Orthodoxy means holding a right belief. And there's another thing that we'll get into. So first I'm going to share with you Muslim or, yeah, Muslim or Islamic orthodoxy, Islamic right belief. The first one is that there is one God. Now we did an example last week with Lydia. Lydia was Muhammad for a little bit, and she heard all kinds of crazy talk over the top of one another, okay? And what she heard primarily was, the first thing was what? There's one God. And then she heard that the, something about Moses, Jesus, Abraham. So what Muslims will say is that there's no God but God and Muhammad is his messenger. Why do you think that the belief in one God is so important within Islam? Based on what we talked about last week for anyone that was here last week. Keeping in mind what I demonstrated with Lydia, why do you think that it's so important to Islam to say that there's one God? Do you remember? Well, I wasn't here last week, but Okay. Sure. Sure. 
Exactly. Okay, so what was the, the general belief system of the people in Muhammad's day? Do you remember? I started with this. It's a really long word. No, last week. I didn't share that one last week. Polytheistic. You remember that? You were going to say that. Thank you for raising your hand, too. I appreciate that. Um, <coughs> polytheistic, which means there were 360 gods. So for Muslims to say that there's only one god, that's very important. Okay, it's very countercultural. 1,400 years ago, it was very countercultural. Um, that's important too. There are a couple of. There's one name in particular that is difficult that doesn't really jive necessarily within the Christian faith. Um, it's called Al Makar. It's okay. Like Gus Macker. Have you heard of the Gus Macker ba- basketball tournament? It's kind of like that. Um, it means the schemer. Um, it means that God is able to plot good or evil against mankind. God doesn't do that. According to Islam, God does do that. So that's one of the characters of God that we don't necessarily agree with, that they say God is. However, um, <coughs> not however, in Islam, God can also change his mind, which has ramifications on a lot of areas of belief that I will share with you later. Um, Allah, the name of God within Islam, is not the name of a different God than God. Let me backtrack. Okay, Allah is the Arabic word for God. It means the God, Al-Lah. Okay, the Al is the definite article. It means the, the God. So in the Christian church in the Middle East, the Arabic-speaking church, they use Allah for God because that's the name for God. Okay? We don't disagree with the name Allah. We disagree with some of the characters of Allah. So to argue about the name, no, God is called God, versus no, God is called Allah, that's kind of a silly argument because God doesn't really have either of those names. Those names are made up by human beings to try and describe God. That's probably way over your heads. Continue. All right. Um, <coughs> second one. There's a belief in angels and demons Demons and jinn, that's the next, next slide on there. You'll see a picture. The genie! Yeah, okay, so jinn are half human, half spirit. Very much, very well actually represented in the genie from Aladdin, the cartoon. And it's not supposed to be funny. It's actually a very sincere belief. So there's a belief in God, and there's a belief in angels and demons and jinn. Now, jinn can transport anywhere, according to Islamic belief, and they can see all of the bad things you do, and then they can use it against you later. Muslims are very afraid of jinn doing that. I don't know if jinn exist. I can just say that with confidence. I've never seen a genie. And I don't, they don't necessarily live in bottles, but there's a sincere belief that jinn are capable of doing things um, against humans. The third belief, so there's God, there's one God, there's angels and demons and jinn, and they're active in this world. The third is a belief in the holy books, okay? The holy books are the Taurat, which is the Torah or the Old Testament that you have in your Bible. The Zabur or the Psalms of David, the Psalms that are in your Bible. The Injil or the Gospels, the New Testament that's in your Bible, and the Quran. Okay? Um, These are the holy books according to Islam. So Islam says we like the Bible and our book. Okay? 
However, Muslims are also taught that the Quran replaces all of the other holy books because the previous books were changed by us. So instead of reading all of the books, they read just the Quran. Okay? Is that instead of reading all of these books, they only read the Quran if they can do that. Remember last week, if they can read Arabic, they can read it. So they believe in our Bible in its original form, but they only read the Quran. Um, because they're taught that we have changed it. Um, an interesting thing about Islam is that it's an evangelistic religion. What that means is that they train other people, train their people to go and convert other people to Islam. It's much like Christianity. Christians train Christians to convert other people to Christianity. Okay, Islam is the same way. And so Muslims are taught from the very beginning that Christians have changed the Bible and that there's all these different versions of the Bible and they all say different things, which is kind of a good argument. Um, <coughs> I'm really sorry about my cough. It'll go away. It always does. So when I was in Jordan, um, I was teaching English as a second language like I told you last week, and there was a kid in my class. His name was Dia. Can you say that? Dia, you have to stop his name in the back of your throat before you finish. Dia, okay. And so I taught first level English, which meant I was teaching newbies to the English language, and I was a noob to the Arabic language, okay? So we were all noobs, and it was weird, okay? And so Dia wanted to go with me to a restaurant to practice his English with me because I was his teacher after class one week. And so I said, sure, this is cool. So I go with Dia to um, Jafra, which is an excellent cafe in Amman, Jordan. And we're sitting there, and this is what Dia says. Now, Dia, like I told you, he's not good at English. It's in the Middle East, um, near Israel. I knew that would work. Okay. Um, so Dia doesn't speak very good English, but he says to be sitting across the table from me, he says, I have five Bibles at home, and I, they all say different things. It's the first thing that he says to me. It's so unfair. I thought he wanted to hang out. So he says, I've got five Bibles at home, and they all say different things. And I said, no, you don't, Dia. And no, they don't. Can we talk about something else? I said that because I had no idea how to respond to him because I'd never heard anyone give me this challenge before. And I knew that Dia had never read five Bibles. I knew that much about Dia because he was really low level of English. It was really unlikely. Um, because Muslims believe that the Bible has been changed, they don't read it because they're afraid that what has been changed will, is, is what we have put in there to try and make them believe what we believe, Okay. That's why. Okay, so there's God, angels and demons, holy books, which is the Old Testament, the Psalms, the Gospels, and the Quran. The fourth is a belief in the prophets. This is where it gets really good. So the prophets are men sent from God or used by God to influence history and be the mouthpiece for his teaching. There are over 14,000 prophets of Islam, according to Islam. Um, they just choose whoever they, they, they've chosen whoever they want to 
to, in history that was awesome to just be the column of prophet of Islam. That's just true. Um, but here's the big seven. So here are the major prophets of Islam. There are seven of them, and I will read them even though you can read them. It's Adam. I'm actually not going to read them. I'm just going to tell you. Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, Jesus, and Muhammad. I've said it a lot of times. And I was just thinking about the story of the whole Bible. I was thinking about how more they show up. Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, Jesus, and Muhammad. Of those seven, how many of those have you heard of before? I mean, you probably have heard all seven, but like six of them. Do you know the stories of these prophets? Some of them. Would you call them all prophets? Would you call Adam a prophet? You might not understand why this is significant because you probably don't have a Muslim friend. But imagine that you do. Imagine you have a friend that's Muslim and you didn't know this before. Okay, so prior to this, you thought they were this mysterious person with this mysterious religion and you didn't know anything about it. And then you found out from me that six out of the seven major prophets of Islam are people that you think are pretty awesome too. What does that do to your relationship? It seems like you're a little bit close. You could be a lot closer. You could have conversations about these. So I, I would, I'm going to get into some of that next week, um, why that's super big, these specific people. One thing, Muslims are not permitted to deny any of the prophets, which means they can't say, no, 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 no. Jesus was not a prophet of God. Because if they do that, then they're denying their own faith because they believe in all of these prophets. They're not allowed to. So if you were to ask a Muslim, do you love Jesus? They would probably say, oh, yes, I love Jesus. He's, I love him. He, was, he did miracles. He was great. They love Jesus, but they don't know what they mean by that. He's a prophet. They don't know much. I'm going to share a little bit about what they do know tonight, but they don't know much. Muhammad is considered the seal. I put that up there. He's the final prophet. There's no more prophet sent from God after Muhammad. <coughs> Essentially making him above all the other prophets, except that Muslims think that all the prophets are, are told that all the prophets are the same, so Muhammad can't be above them, but he really is, according to the way that they, you saw the, their, sorry, we'll go there. Um, Jesus is the holiest prophet in Islam. Holiest meaning he was sinless. He was born of a virgin, according to the Quran. Um, he was sinless. He was born of a virgin. He was called God's word in the Quran. Quran, um, in the fourth chapter, the 171st verse, that's a lot of verses, um, it says, see, it says, Jesus, the Christ, was born of the Virgin Mary. He was a spirit which was cast into her and the word of God in the Quran. So that's what the Quran says about Jesus. That's interesting, but it doesn't mean that Muslims believe in Jesus. It just means that they've got something there in the Quran that could kind of show them Jesus a little bit. The fifth thing is the day of judgment. This is under beliefs. The day of judgment, um, on that day, a scale is going to weigh the good and bad deeds that you've done in your life. Okay? So on one hand or one side of the scale... You've got good, and one side you've got bad. And what God does is he weighs each one of your deeds. 
and decides your eternal destiny, whether you're going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. I told you a little bit ago that God can change his mind. This is really good news and really bad news on Judgment Day. It's really good news if, say, this is the bad and this is the good, okay? Meaning the bad is heavier and you've done way more bad things than good things. God can still put you in heaven because he can change his mind about you. That's awesome. That's good news. Now, imagine, I'm going to go on this side of the table now, that this is your good and it's really heavy and there's very few bad deeds that you've done. God can still change his mind and send you to hell, according to Islam. That's terrible news. So (laughs) think about what that would do to you if you were trying your whole life to do as many good things to prove to God that you deserve to be in heaven, and then you got to judgment day, whenever that is, and God says, sorry, you were really, really good, but I still don't like you very much, so you're going to hell. <laughs> Imagine that. There's no hope there, is there? There's just fear always of what's going to happen on judgment day. That's not good. That's not good news. What do you think that, how do you think that affects the way that a Muslim lives their life? Just think about it. Maybe you can come up with an answer, but how do you think this idea of Judgment Day, the scales, how do you think that affects the way that they live their life? Anyone have a thought? Yeah. You know, what? I like the way that you answered that. Because what you said is based on what you've heard me say is that it seems that it makes as much sense to not even try because maybe God will send you to heaven. That's interesting. What's a different way of looking at it? Anyone? Yeah. Yeah, you might be afraid that God isn't good, right? That God isn't just and that God might send you to hell even if you've only done one thing wrong. In what ways, okay, so there's, here are the beliefs and maybe you can repeat them with me. God, belief in one God, one God. One God. Uh, angels and demons. Uh, the books. The prophets and judgment day. Based on the things that I've shared with you, what similarities do you see and what differences do you see between yourself and Muslims? The way they believe about things. Yeah. Judgment day. Yeah. Yeah. There's one God. So you see that as being a similarity. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, the difference being that Jesus is a lot more significant to Christians than he is to Muslims because he's just a prophet in Islam. Yeah. Any, yeah. For Muslims, they believe that God is still um, sending to heaven to do all kinds of bad things, and you don't accept in your heart, but for Christians, you have to accept in your heart to go to heaven. 
Yeah, and really, there's no... Who's, who's responsible for whether you take God out of the equation? Who's responsible for you going to heaven when you die? You, right? No one else. Seems kind of different, kind of 100% different. Okay, next I'm going to share with you the practices of Islam, okay? The reason that I'm sharing all of this to remind the ones, those of you that weren't here is because likely you'll go off to college someday and likely you'll have a, an interaction or maybe a friend or a classmate or a roommate or a, a lab mate or something or a something that's Muslim. And you can look at that person as mysterious and full of wrong belief and someone to be avoided because they'll probably try and change my thoughts. Or you can see them as somebody who might have some things that you might share that you might want to talk about with them. Such as, who is Jesus to you? Do you believe in Jesus? Oh, yes, I believe in Jesus. He's great. Tell me about Jesus. That's me talking to a Muslim. Who's Jesus? That's a great question because they believe in Jesus. It starts a conversation about Jesus. How easy is that? You just ask, who's Jesus? Imagine asking that to, like, your friend who's a cheerleader. What do you think about Jesus? Oh, why do you got to bring that stuff up? You're always bringing up that religion stuff. So you ask a Muslim, and they're like, oh, I love Jesus. He's awesome. Like, that's totally different. And anyway. Okay. Those are the five beliefs, five practices. I told you I was going to tell you about orthopraxy. Al-Shahada, which means the creed. There is no God but God, and Muhammad is his messenger. Um, quickly in Arabic, it's la ilaha illallah, Muhammadun Rasulullah. Um, if you say that three times in the presence of a Muslim, you are a Muslim. It's the magic phrase. Okay? Why do you think that this phrase, though, there is no God but God, and Muhammad is his messenger, is so important to Muslims? Again, this is like a, a question that I've already asked. Why do you think that this statement is so important? Yeah. Absolutely. This is what distinguishes them from everyone else, right? We believe in one God and Muhammad. Good. I want to share a funny story, and I hope that this doesn't really confuse you. And if it does, I apologize. When I was, have you seen the Indiana Jones movies to start off with? Okay, some of you have. Praise God. Okay, so the third Indiana Jones movie, he's going into this city that's built out of a side of a mountain. He's going into this cave to get the Holy Grail. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. That place exists in reality. It's called Petra, and I've been there. It's really awesome. It's way cooler than it is on the movie, by the way. So, I was driving into the city of Petra. Now, Petra is kind of like, uh, let's say, Yellowstone National Park. There's probably a city, and that's probably not good. Um, what's that place in Illinois that people go hiking at that's really kind of cool? Starved Rock. Okay, so Petra is like Starved Rock, the national park, okay? And there's a town, now there's a town near Starved Rock called Oglesby, okay? So there's a town called Petra where the people who work in Petra live. It's also called Petra, okay? It's kind of like Oglesby to Starved Rock. Does that make sense? Okay, so anyway, I'm driving into the town, just the town of Petra, 
and there's this big billboard, and in English it says, there's no God but God, and Muhammad is his messenger. And I'm driving a car, and it catches my eye, and I read it out loud with my window down. Um, and <laughs> the reason I share this is it's my why I might be a Muslim, but I didn't intend to be story, because I said this out loud, and I might have been around a Muslim, but that doesn't make me a Muslim. I know that being a Muslim is something that I would decide to do in my heart, not something that I just say with my mouth. Um, I'm a Christian, and I've decided to follow Jesus, so nothing can change that. But I think it's funny that I did that. I did not expect that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> okay, so th- think about creed for a second. Now, you don't have something like this, but is there something that you say that makes you a Christian? Does creed saying something play a role in the Christian faith or in your life? No, because if you're mute, you can still follow. That's true. Interesting caveat. Hadn't thought about that one. If you're mute, you can still follow Jesus. Um, does does it okay? So if your friend was coming to hype, I was looking for a shirt. Hype, and um, they decided that they wanted to follow Jesus. What do you think would happen when they tell you that? What would you do? Tell me. What would you do other than that, which might be a little scary if you did that? Um, what would you do? Pray with them. Do you think you'd say some specific words? In that prayer? Forgive me of my sins. I know that you are my Savior. We have some words, right? They're not all the same words, and they're not set in stone words, but we have words that we hope people will say to show that they are a Christian, right? There's creed. It's not the same. I know it's not the same, but we kind of do this. There's also things called the creeds, Apostles' Creed, Nicene Creed. You've never heard them before. And there's a song by a guy named Rich Mullins, and it has a lot of dulcimer, which you probably don't even know if you haven't listened to Rich Mullins, but it's like a bunch of little strings. And he goes, we believe in God the Father. I'm not going to sing the whole song. You know that song? That's the Apostles' Creed. Creed has played a role in the Christian faith for centuries. Second thing. So there's creed. The second thing is prayer. I'm going to talk about ritualistic prayer that happens five times a day or are supposed to. It's a prayer ceremony exercised in the mosque or alone. It's a ritual. Conversational prayer does play a role in Islam, but that's not what this is. Al-Salat. It's different. Salat is because it's five set times a day. So it's before sunrise. It's an hour after sunrise. It's at noon. It's in the afternoon. It's a lot of prayer, right? You're like, man, I would not pray that long, um, that many times. Uh, it's like after dinner and before, like after sunset. Okay, that might be six. So I might have told you six times. It's five times. Was that fine? Thank you. Um, and so what happens in the Middle East is there's a, a loudspeaker on the mosque, and it goes, Akbar, really loud like that. Um, and it wakes you up at three in the morning. And it's just really loud. If you live next to a mosque, which I did, um, unfortunately, it goes, Allah, and then it just keeps shouting like this singing kind of thing. And it wakes you up and tells you it's time to pray. 
which would be kind of nice if we had that to remind us to pray. Um, but we don't. <coughs> There's also something that goes along with this ritualistic prayer, which is supposed to be done at the mosque, and it's called ablutions. These are ritualistic washings of yourself that cleanse you from the dirt on yourself and make you clean so you can go into the mosque and pray. And, and Jews did this before and during the time of Jesus and still do it today. Um, but this is cleansing yourself. So if I was, I am a guy. I was going to say, if I was a guy, um, that's kind of weird. I am a guy. Uh, so <laughs> if I did my washings and then I... Um, I bumped, I bumped into Lydia, okay? I have to go wash myself again because she's a woman. These are the rules, okay? Um, uh, yeah, that's messed up. So what does a woman do? Is she not always, always touching her own self, like her skin? That's my question. It's not, a, it's not a really a fair question. Oh, yeah, I... That's a good, good point. I don't know. I don't know all that. But th these are washings to make you clean. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, they do. It's a good point. So Mecca is the holy city of Islam, and every Muslim has to pray towards Mecca, which would be east of here. So you would face east, which is somewhere, and you would do all kinds of different kneelings and bowings and bending overs and touching your head and that way. Um, when you're on the airplane going to the Middle East on a Middle Eastern airline, such as Royal Jordanian Airways, which exists, and I wrote on, there's a big chart that, um, so you're flying over Iceland, which is really awesome, by the way. You're flying over Iceland, and there's this little icon on the screen that shows you where Mecca is, just in case it's time to pray, so that you can pray the correct direction towards Mecca. It's really important. Oh, no, no, no. I didn't have to. It's just, if you're a Muslim and you were going to pray, they were accommodating that for you. No, I, you know, I never saw anyone pray on an airplane. And I rode four times between here and Jordan and Jordan and back, and I never saw a Muslim pray on an airplane. But they c continued to let us know that that's where Mecca is, just in case. Um, and clearly nobody cared. Um, in... In the United States, only about 5% of Muslims are going to pray five times a day, okay? It's not most. It's some. It's actually a very small amount. It's something you're supposed to do, but you don't quite do. It's kind of like a really good deed that if you did it, it would weigh down on your good deeds, but if you don't do it, it's not necessarily a bad deed. Actually, in the Middle East, you probably feel more obligated to pray. I'm saying here in America. Um... I think, is there another slide on here? Okay, this is the prayer that is prayed 17 times a day if you're praying five times a day. That doesn't make any sense. I know it's not good math, but that's okay. 17 times you will pray through this prayer, and I just wanted you to see what you see in it, okay? So I'm going to read it to you. Praise be to God, Lord of the worlds, merciful to all, compassionate to each. Lord of the day of judgment, it is you we worship, and upon you we call for help. Guide us to the straight path, the path of those upon whom your grace abounds, not those upon whom 
anger falls, nor those who are lost. Do you see anything interesting in that language? Well, yeah, the, the big thing, obviously. Um, do you see anything interesting? I think interesting things that I see. Guide us to the straight path, the path of those upon whom your grace abounds. Is that, what does Jesus call himself? He calls himself something, the way. So there's this interestingly curious thing that's happening within Islam 17 times a day that Muslims, devout Muslims, are praying to be shown the straight path, the path that I walk on that grace will fall upon me. They're praying without knowing, I think. I know they don't know what they're praying, but they're praying for Jesus to save them. It doesn't they're not being saved through this prayer, but they're crying out. They're asking to be shown the straight path. I think that's kind of, I think that's interesting at worst. Cool at best. Um, okay. Does prayer play a role in your life? That was a lot of R's. That was really hard to say. I'm going to change that question in the future. Does prayer play a role in your life? If it does, you have something in common with a Muslim because it plays a role in their life too. Fasting. I'm going to go quickly through the next three. Fasting, a psalm. It's during the month of Ramadan. It's a month of fasting and feasting. So they're fasting during daylight hours from everything, not just food. Water swallowing their spit, chewing gum, um, swearing, getting angry, somehow fasting from that. Do you know what fasting is? It's giving up something for a while. So Ramadan is a month. During the daylight hours, giving up food, water, anger, which I think is hilarious. You can't give up anger. You get more angry when you don't eat or drink anything all day. Like, how much pressure is that? Um, chewing gum, swallowing your own spit. So, yeah, go ahead. No. They do not give up bowel movements, but they likely don't have very many. But when the sun goes down, it's feast time, and you eat like crazy together. It's a party every night, and you eat more than you ever would in a day. So you're overeating at night, and you're eating all the way up until that 3 o'clock prayer call. Actually, you eat like probably till midnight, fall asleep for a few hours, prayer call wakes you up, and then you wake up and you eat some more before the sun comes up So because you, you know you have to give it up all day. That's what Ramadan looks like. Every night's a party. There are, okay, there are, have you seen the Popeye's chicken in Peoria before? It's on Knoxville. It's kind of a place that no one goes. Okay. Um, it, <laughs> sorry about that. It's kind of a place no one goes. You you go. Um, in Jordan, in the in Amman, there's a two-story Popeye's chicken. It's ridiculous. There's a Popeye's chicken that's so awesome and popular, and people during Ramadan, the rich people, will go and they'll order their food and they'll sit down at their table looking at their food, and they're waiting for what do you think? The night. Allah, look, 
to tell them the sun has gone down and they gorge themselves right away. It's like the most unholy fast in the world. I'm serious. There's, a, there's something else. It's called the night of power. It's the final night of Ramadan, and that night, Muslims will go to the mosque, and they will read the Quran and recite the Quran and pray all night. And what happens that night, if you successfully stay awake through the night without feasting, by the way, you fasted all day, and then you're not feasting. You're just praying and reciting scripture all night. If you do that, your prayers will be answered for a year. That's pretty awesome. It's not true. I'm just saying it's awesome. That's what they think. Um, They're praying for dreams and visions. And what I would encourage you to do during Ramadan is to find out when Ramadan is to start off with. During Ramadan, pray that God will give Muslims anywhere. Listen to this. Pray that God will give Muslims dreams and visions of Jesus. Remember, Jesus is a prophet of Islam. So if you ask God to send a vision or a dream of Jesus, you're asking a prophet who they cannot deny, who they have to listen to. You're asking God to send a prophet into their dream to tell them something. I want to tell you a story about a dream that a guy shared that I heard um, that he had. This guy, he was sharing his dream with a friend of mine. Um, he said... Uh, when I was a little boy, I, I had this dream, and I was in this big room, and there was this long table, and at the end of the table, there was a woman, and there was a baby. And as I grew up, <laughs> that was it. As I grew up, same room, same dream, same table, tons of food, woman at the end, the baby keeps growing up as I'm getting older. And I start playing with the baby, and he becomes a kid, and we're playing, you know. As he grows up, the kid in the dream is growing up with him, Okay. When he was 13, this is a dream. He says, when I was 13 years old, I asked the woman at the end of the table, who is this boy that I've been playing with? This is a very vivid dream, right? Who is this boy I've been playing with? And the woman says, it's Jesus. He said he, sh- he woke up. This is a Muslim guy sharing this dream, okay? He woke up, he freaked out, and the dream stopped from that point on. And he said to my friend, I wish that this dream would come back to me. I loved this dream. The guy wanted Jesus to come back to his dreams. Yeah. Pray for Muslims to have visions of Jesus in their dreams because it happens. It doesn't necessarily happen to you, but it happens for them. I don't know why. (laughs) but it does. Last two. Okay, almsgiving. That's giving a tithe. It's called zakat. Zakat. Um, It's a giving of your entire net worth, so it's not just giving what you made 10% of that, but it's giving like how much your house is worth every year, okay? 2.5% for Sunni Muslims, 5% for Shia Muslims. That's two different sects of Islam, They believe slightly different things. I do not want to get into that because we'll be here all night, and that's not fun. Last one is pilgrimage. It's called al-hajj. That's why there's two J's. You emphasize the J. Hajj. This is Mecca. This is the Kaaba. This is where all of the gods, of the pagan gods, were 
living this black box. You see the black box? Everybody's like kind of praying towards and stuff in this picture. That's where all of the gods were. Muhammad went and he cleansed that out. He destroyed all of those gods and kept the ritual of going to Mecca once in your life, revolving around the black box seven times, and there's a black stone that you're supposed to try and get through all the people and touch it or kiss it. And so you can imagine there's, there's probably at one and a half million people every year that go to Mecca to this place and walk in a circle together around this black box all the while trying to inch their way into the middle to touch a stone because if you touch the stone, again, your prayers will be answered for a year. You imagine how terrifying that might be? Anyway, uh, yeah. So if they're like praying right there, you know how they said like a man walks That's a great question. You should ask a Muslim when you meet them. Because okay. I don't have the answer for it. Because I'm not a Muslim. That's a great question. It really is. I'm going to challenge you with two things. So tonight, you guys collected an offering. Okay, so that's something similar to the zakat, the thing of giving a tithe. Within Christianity, many Christians want to visit Jerusalem. Have you ever heard your parents say, man, someday I would love to go to the Holy Land? Yeah. <laughs> Jerusalem. You don't have to. It's different. It's not a requirement. Um, but anyway, okay, so there's a, a creed, there's prayer, there's fasting, there's tithing, and there's pilgrimage. What, what types of practices do you have within your own Christian faith that are similar to that of Muslims, and what's different that you see? And then we're done. That's, a, that's my question. Similarities and differences there, yeah. I just want to see if you were with me. Nothing? Tithing's pretty similar. Yeah. Yep. Fasting? You know what? Christians don't fast nearly as often as, you, as we should, actually, because we don't understand it, I don't think. I don't very well. But yeah, fasting. Lots of these things are, th- are ways. Yeah. Prayer. Yeah. Very generically, yes. On a generic level, we practice our faith in very similar ways that Muslims practice their own faith. Now, I want to ask one more question. What do you see, what similarities do you see between your beliefs and practices and Muslims' beliefs and practices that could be conversation starters with a Muslim? That's something to think about this week. Jesus is a big one. Um, Next week, we're not going to talk about very much about Islam at all. You're welcome. Um, And it's not going to be nearly as much information overload. And I do want to challenge you to go back and listen to the podcast if you think you thought you heard something. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and, with questions. That's good. Why is this called bridges? That's an excellent question. I'm going to tell you why this is called bridges. The reason this is called bridges. Now, I have to give this is an analogy. So, um, it's kind of a contrast to a wall. Okay. So a bridge is something, what do you do on a bridge? You either drive on it. Let's talk about walking, though. What do you do with the bridge? 
It goes across something, right? There's something you couldn't get across before, and now there's a bridge, and you can walk across it. You're going from one side of the bridge to the other side of the bridge, right? Okay. Now, a wall, you have, you can't, there's just a wall there. You either have to break down the wall, or you just don't go over there, right? Okay, so what happens for us? Um, this is why it's called bridges. In us, when people start attacking us and our own beliefs and our own faith, or anything about us, they say, you know, it's so stupid that you wear pink toenail polish. You instantly are like, ah, oh, that's so rude. And you get mad and you build a wall instantly. And then that wall has to get broken down in order for the relationship to be repaired. Okay? We call this bridges because we're trying to find ways that we have things that we share you can say in common or similarities that we have with Muslims that we can walk along the same bridge to, to talking about Jesus, okay? That's why it's called bridges. I would say all of these practices are bridges. Lots of the beliefs are bridges, okay? The goal in all of this is that you will see a Muslim as someone who is a bridge away from Jesus. That's it. That's why. That's my long answer. You didn't expect that. All right. I'm going to pray. God, I thank you for um, the mysterious ways that you have put together everything that exists in this world. I thank you that for some reason you have allowed me to know Jesus from a young age and to continue to be completely mind-blown by the gospel. I ask that you will help this simply information to sink in somewhere in us and that someday when we're talking with a Muslim, they'll say something that triggers something that causes us to take a risk and make a bridge and hopefully talk about Jesus with them. We love you and we thank you for all the things that you do and give to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.